Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan, but before we do, guys, I have a question. This is a good one. I'm really excited to hear your answers. All right, have you had an intro song that played every time you walked into a room, like your walk-up song? What would it be? Mm. You know, you know our our rhythm on these questions normally is Clayton jumps right in with all of his musings, qualifications, <laughs> second questions to the question. So what I'm going to talking pre- about. I'm going to preempt Clayton. Nikki, you're going to go first. Oh, I'm going to go first. That's never been so, done. What? Okay. All what's right, your walk up song, Nikki? My walk up song is uh, the title of the song is called "Without You." by a band named Silverchair. So if you scrub through to the last minute and a half of the song, it's the outro. That would be my walk-up song. And it's, we're going to play it right here. Here we go. That's a good one. All right, mine is Harry Connick Jr. from the Smokey Mary album, Preacher. Great lyrics. Very, very fun, upbeat. Here it comes. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to decide between two, so maybe I'm cheating here. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's tricky when you're thinking about this. I could go two different directions. One would be uh, a song uh, by Jack White. So it's uh, the Rock on Tours, uh, one of his bands. It's called Salute Your Solution. And the other one would be Stevie Wonder, Sir Duke. Ooh. But which one are you going to pick? Yeah, he's got to oh, pick one. I got to pick, pick one. You can't pick have two. One. You can't have two. Uh, all right, we'll go with Jack White. We'll go with the Rock on Tours. Salute your solution. If you don't know who Jack White is, just listen to the White Stripes as well. Yeah. Um, one of my favorites. But hold on. Last time that we had talked about this, you had said sometimes not every song is like conducive to the mood, right? Well, that's the tricky part. And I argued with you and said, no. Even if it's a somber situation, you go in with the white walk, stripes or you go in, you in. with silver chair. That's just how it is. <laughs> the, the, it's like, what if I'm walking into like a, a counseling situation and someone's no. lost a loved one, you know, like. Yeah, All right. Know. Let's listen to Clayton's walk up song. That's great. All right, guys. Thanks for playing along. Clayton, what are we looking at today? All right, we're looking at a passage in Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 1. A little bit of context here. Uh, Jesus has just finished teaching the Sermon on the Mount, and so we've got a long block of teaching we've just been looking at. And now we're going to get a series of kind of action scenes. So it's a a whole series of miracles and interactions that he has with people, kind of uh, life on the ground with Jesus. Uh, So we're going to get started in verse 1, and Eric's going to read through verse 17. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. 
And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. All right, let's talk about the O in comma, which is observation. What do you guys see here? First thing that I I noticed was just like uh, the difference in people that approached Jesus. So you had a leper and then you had a centurion. So uh, lepers were, you know, they were outcasts. They were poor people. They didn't have a community really unless they were among other communities of lepers. But very outcast. And then centurions were people who were looked up to. They were generals. They were military leaders. Um, So but both of them, regardless, approached Jesus. And they said, Lord, and they came to him with their need. One of the things that stuck out to me is where it says that Jesus was driving out evil spirits and it says he did it with a word. Uh, Not a whole lot of dramatics there, which if you hold that in contrast sometimes to how modern day people train other Christians to cast out demons, there's like these intricate 85 page manuals on how to do it. Jesus did it with a word. And we actually get no instructions in the New Testament when Jesus sends the disciples out and says, oh, and by the way, you also now have authority in my name to cast out evil spirits and doesn't tell them how to do it because maybe it's not as complicated as we often make it out to be. Yeah, it, it's not actually uh, only the the modern manuals about that. They had ancient manuals where they would have lists of things to say, you know, names of different angels and spirits that you could call upon to do whatever. And Jesus is kind of showing them up by saying, nah, I'll just do it this way. And, and his followers, too. Uh, another thing that I noticed here is um, it's a striking thing. Jesus touched the leper. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't encounter a lot of lepers, but, um, you know, we, we, we talked about it this a little bit when we uh, had like COVID times where there was like a sense of you had to keep your distance from people. And we were co- very consciously aware of, you know, not wanting to have uh, come in contact with something contagious. Uh, this was to the nth degree because not only would it uh, make you sick. It would also exclude you completely from the community. So the lepers kept their distance from everybody. Uh, But Jesus does the opposite. He goes and touches them. And then the unexpected thing that happens is instead of the unclean person making Jesus unclean, the clean Jesus, the holy Jesus, makes the leper clean. And so it kind of goes the opposite direction of what people would have expected. Yeah, I was also looking, too, at uh, the postures in which they came. So, like, the leper comes and he kneels before Jesus, but he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus says, I am willing. He touches him and he says, be clean, right? And then the centurion comes and it says that, it says that he comes to ask him for help. He talks to him about a servant and then Jesus says, well, should I go heal him? You know? And it's like, he doesn't ask. He's, he's like, coming there, but, like, he's almost... Like, I, I'm not, not even deserving to even ask you. I have this need, but I, I don't even deserve to have you come in my under my roof and, and do this thing. And 
uh, Jesus is amazed. Even Jesus's posture, he's amazed at the faith of the centurion. And he says, go. So I think too, like what you said, like the words, Jesus says to the leper, be clean. And then he says to the centurion, go and let it be done. So it's, it's lots of really cool interactions in this passage. I was struck in that by, you know, the leper's like, are you willing? And she's like, of course I'm willing. Mm -hmm. The centurion, there's like that willingness that comes out like, hey, should I heal him? Like, I'm ready to go. Like right now. Um, We think of Jesus oftentimes as like, we got to convince God. You know what I mean? Like, well, we really have a need. We better show him how much we need it. Um, And Jesus is that embodiment of what he says earlier in the Sermon on the Mount. Like, your father knows your need before you ask. He's, You know what I mean? Like, he wants to give good gifts. And so uh, Jesus has that willingness right there, even when we don't perceive it. Hey, jumping back to the the leper here, uh, one of the things that sticks out to me is the instructions that Jesus gives the leper after he's made clean. Uh, And just a reminder here for everyone listening to the podcast, a good study Bible has study notes that sometimes colors in these pictures for you. So if you're wondering what were these instructions that Jesus gave this leper, if you go down to the study notes, it will take you back to Leviticus where it describes... uh, the, the difficulty of being a leper, both being ceremonially unclean, which means they couldn't fully engage in all of the, the things going on at the tabernacle or the temple, uh, and then also uh, socially separate, right? If you have a contagious d- disease, you're not, just, you're not allowed to just be around all of the people. And so if you had a skin disease uh, and you were healed, you had to go essentially prove it. So you had to go to the priest, and there were some things you had to do. So if, you're, if you want to understand more about that, the study notes will take you back to Leviticus, where it will describe it for you. I'm really struck by the response of the centurion, uh, starting in, in verse like 9 or so. He describes a scenario that he recognizes from his own world. He's saying, I know how authority works. I'm in charge of some people. I've got people who, if I say do this, they do it. And so I know how this works. And so he's, he's saying, I see the kind of person you are, Jesus. You're the sort of person who, in a different way than me, but very similar, can say, go do this, and it should happen immediately. And so there's a sense of, like an intuitive sense of what authority should do and, and what it should look like. And so the centurion's faith is kind of drawn by recognizing that Jesus is that kind of person. Um, I also think it's really interesting that uh, he expects the kind of response that Jesus has been getting. So when you look at how the disciples have responded to Jesus, these strange stories where Jesus walks up and they're like, you know, fishing and whatever. And he says, come follow me. And immediately they leave everything and follow. Like there's that sense of Jesus is the sort of person who's supposed to get that sort of response. Yeah. Hitching, hitching onto that train. I find it interesting that the whole conversation between Jesus and the centurion is about authority and understanding how authority works and who has it and who doesn't. And Jesus equates that with faith. That's a very interesting link to make between authority, understanding the authority of God and faith. Yeah, it's knowing who's in charge. That that We tend to think of faith as, well, I'm going to believe something that I don't have a lot of proof on. Uh, the Bible puts it in terms of, are you, are you actually like giving your allegiance to the right person who's in charge? Like the person who actually can do something about your situation, who actually can command things to be changed. Are you actually putting yourself under that person? That's what faith looks like, surrender to the right authority. The other thing that I noticed, uh, verse 17, it uh, takes us back uh, to the Old Testament, to the prophet Isaiah, who was this this prophecy of the coming Messiah, right? And so Matthew, speaking primarily to a Jewish audience, is saying, this is the guy that we've been waiting for here. 
he he did this thing this is him um to try to get them to understand who he is and to put their faith in him um but we come to find out later that they don't they don't they're not seeing it that sound means it's time for your comma tip of the week. Let's talk about Isaiah again, Nikki. Okay, great. The king of creation is speaking to us through his word, the Bible. That's exciting, but it also sometimes creates a problem because in Isaiah 55, God declares, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So, it shouldn't come as a surprise that we sometimes might have questions. Someone should make a website, perhaps, that answers commonly asked Bible questions. Oh, wait, they did. And it's pretty darn useful. It's called gotquestions.org. Good name, better site. Got a question when reading your Bible? Check out those study notes in a good study Bible, or head on over to gotquestions.org and ask away. And this has been your comma tip of the week. That's Pretty good. good. That's helpful. Uh, I've got another uh, kind of subtle reference to Isaiah that's in here. It's in the part where Jesus is talking about, you know, one day people are going to come from the east and the west, and they're going to come to the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, the feast that is referred to there is in Isaiah chapter 25, and we, we've talked about this on the podcast in the past, where all the nations are going to gather, and uh, death will be done away with, and there'll be this great feast, uh, you know, around uh, God's temple. And so uh, Jesus is describing that. And he's got this Jewish audience who's thinking, well, that's going to be for us there. And the really striking thing is that he's reading that and saying, actually, someone like the centurion is going to be there, that he's going to be invited to the table. And a lot of people who think, well, I'm just in, you know, he says the subjects of the kingdom. He's saying people who are kind of born into all of this, who are presumptive, like, oh, I'm going to be there, but don't actually have faith in Jesus's authority, they'll, they'll be left out. So there's this kind of reversal of who they expected to be at that feast going on here. Wow, three references to Isaiah in one Matthew conversation. It's a good thing we read Isaiah in the Bible Savvy reading plan before we got into Matthew. Was this intentional, Clayton? Uh, It might have been a little Mm. bit intentional. (laughs) We do our best. All right, let's move on to one of the M's in common. Let's talk about message. How would you sum up something from this passage in a sentence or two? My message is Jesus is approachable. Wow, concise. Yep. I, I, it speaks for itself. It's good. My message is one word from Jesus is all it takes. Uh, my message is the only difference between an outsider and an insider in God's kingdom is recognizing Jesus' authority. All right, let's uh, go on to the second M in comma, which is meditation. And for this one, rather than pick out a particular passage to read and ponder, uh, it's more the kind of the question that this uh, whole thing poses with all of these situations where people are coming to Jesus saying, I've got this need, I've got this need. The question is this, what need do you need to trust Jesus with? Because he has authority.
All right, let's talk about the A and comma, which is application. What are we going to do in response to all this? Yeah, my application uh, pretty much stems off of that question. So uh, in looking at verse 7, when Jesus says to the centurion, shall I come and heal him? It's this idea that Jesus is is waiting for us to make our move, our, our act of dependence, um, so that he can come in and bring help and healing. Um, we just need to approach him with the humble confidence that he can do it. Okay, my application connected to my message, it only takes one word from Jesus. So this is obviously about authority. Jesus can do whatever Jesus decides to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm connecting my application to that because Jesus, when he sent out his disciples, essentially said, now you go with my authority. So my application is, what spaces am I stepping into where I'm entering with the authority of Jesus, but I'm not fully engaging in the kingdom work I could be because I'm not remembering that I have the authority of Jesus with me. My message was uh, the only difference between an insider and an outsider is recognizing Jesus's authority. And some of what this story does is makes you um, not rule out people that could respond to Jesus. There's a whole lot of people who... Um, we think, you know what, they're not interested, they don't want to know, uh, and yet the fact that they have a need in their life, and they say, you know what, I think the person who could uh, resolve that need is Jesus. I think I need God. Um, there's there's a lot of people that will surprise you to find out, you know what, when I recognize that there's a God that's there, I might not know a whole lot about him, I might be kind of an outsider of the religious thing, um, but then they'll bow their knee and say, no, I really need that. Uh, and there's a whole lot of people who, you know, they look religious and it looks like they kind of know what's going on, but they never bow their knee. They never depend on Jesus. They never say his authority is what rules my life or determines my fate. Um, it it kind of makes you bold to say, you know what? You never know. There could be a centurion. There could be an outsider in my life. There could be a leper in my life. And all it takes is for them to say, yeah, I need Jesus. So as we wrap up this episode, I wonder which song are producer is going to pick as the outro song from Ooh. our three walk-up songs. We are we are handing this over to the producer to choose between our three walk-up songs. Make it a good one, Tim. Oh, have fun, Tim. All, All right, right bring go. us home, Nikki. Thanks for listening this week. Join us again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan. In the meantime, if you're not following along, you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and to start reading. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.